And now, the time fight fans all across the globe have been waiting for. It's the Trackstar Sports MMA main card with your man, The Voice. As always, let's start off with some headlines and hot takes. One thing about sports is that game recognizes game. And athletes recognize athletes. Champions recognize champions. And oftentimes, you will get a crossover appeal. You see in Cleveland, Steve Miocic is at games uh, dapping up LeBron James because they're both champions for the city of Cleveland. And not too long ago, LeBron got into it with Ennis Cantor, formerly of OKC, now playing with uh, the New York Knicks. And Cantor was like, look, you may be this big player or whatever, but you're not going to come in here and run New York. This is our squad. This is our house. That is not going down like that. And they got all up in each other's face. Well, Chris Weidman spent some time. Yeah, that's right. New York's own former middleweight champion, Chris Weidman, spent some time training with Enos Cantor. Put it on uh, the gram with a note saying, watch out, LeBron. So, um, yeah, he, he's trying to get Kansas' hands together and ready just in case LeBron wants to step to him in another game. I want to let him know, look, he's been training with the champ. You better watch yourself, LeBron. You might be the king of Cleveland, but Kansas is trying to be the king of New York. Brett Akamoto reported recently that Conor McGregor suggested starting a 165-pound weight class and that he fight for the inaugural title at UFC 222. Here's the thing. With all of the speculation regarding Conor, I want to fight, I don't want to fight. Or I should say, Conor's saying he wants to fight, but Dana's go-to whenever he's negotiating is saying, I don't think they really want to fight. Said that about GSP until he came in, took the belt, ran off with millions, <laughs> and left Dana and the middleweight division looking silly. Uh, you know, says the same thing about a number of fighters. And right now, because he's trying to get Conor back in the ring, or I should say back in the cage, he's saying, I don't know if Conor wants to fight. Uh, I like the idea of the 165-pound weight class. That could go so many different ways. He could fight for the title against Nate. That would be phenomenal. What would be even better if this were to come to fruition is if he and Kevin Lee fought. Now, Kevin Lee is an uncrowned king of the 165-pound weight class. He has been stumping for this for about a year now. Could you imagine the trash talk and the build-up to that fight if Connor and Kevin Lee fought? Oh, man. Woo! That would be phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Moving on. Heavyweight Alexi Olenek's daughter goes to the school in Parkland, Florida, where the shooting took place. 
American Top Team is located in Coconut Creek, Florida, and it's not uncommon for the fighters, you know, who are fighting there to live there and to live in the area. Fortunately, or at least from what I know, none of the children of any of the fighters were affected by this as far as being victims of the shooting. But our thoughts and prayers are definitely with the people within that area because it's just a horrific, horrific occurrence that should not have taken place. But unfortunately, we live in a world where uh, these kinds of things are not uncommon. Definitely praying for the student body of that school and all those impacted. I shared recently that Edmonton, Canada banned combat sports for a year. Now, this was after they had the UFC event there. Uh, It was an event where Mighty Mouse was supposed to headline, but due to some people uh, getting hurt and or not being able to fight, he, he did not headline that fight. They put a ban in place because a fighter, a former UFC fighter, participated in a boxing match there. And the result of the injuries he sustained in the fight took his life. That is unfortunate. That is one of the horrible things about this world. We forget that these men are literally laying their lives on the line. Uh, for their personal gain as well as for our entertainment and it's up to the commissions to do the things that they need to to ensure that the fighters are safe well Edmonton said hey look we're going to put a ban in place and you know take our time and then really get things in order well I know that the Canadians use a different uh, system when it comes to computing things I feel like they use a metric system just like the rest of the world outside of the U.S. But I didn't think that a year equal two months. But Edmonton does because they have lifted the ban after just being in place for two months and said that we're ready to do business again. I don't know how much work they put into things. I don't know what organizations really want to go there to fight, but money talks and I just hope that they are doing a much better job with their sanctioning and ensuring that fighters are definitely fit before they enter combat Bellator announced its landmark 200 event and it's got a lot of good fights on it The main event has the middleweight title on the line as Rafael Carvalho faces Gegard the Dreamcatcher Musasi. This is the fight that everyone has been looking forward to ever since Gegard came over. He should win the title just like Rory won the title from Lima. I don't suspect that he'll have as much problems with Carvalho, but... 
Carvalho does have power and Musasi has been knocked out before so we'll have to see how everything plays out but if things work out the way that I'm sure Bellator wants and that the resume state Musasi will claim yet another major belt also on this card you got MVP coming back Phil Davis is going to take on Linton the Swarm Vassal got a lot of good fights on this card a lot of good fighters and should be a great card in true Bellator fashion though they find some of the weirdest ways to do things because this card will take place in London which is going to be great and it's going to be great for Bellator I found out listening to I want to say Brett Akamoto's show that when they are in the UK and places like that that they use local crews there that they don't have to pay for so it's a great cost savings for them to do these shows overseas but they do them at local time which for the local fight fans is wonderful but when you are looking to get television ratings local time doesn't work which means you do it in tape delay here in your greatest media market I I mean Scott Coker definitely we can't say he doesn't know what he's doing because of the heights he took Strike Force 2 and some of the ways he's really helped to invigorate Bellator but you know, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense on the outside looking in now other Bellator news like I said Scott Coker knows what he's doing he signed John Fitch to Bellator not too long ago Fitch said that he was leaving the Professional Fighters League formerly uh, the World Series of Fighting and that he was going to be looking to ply his trade elsewhere John Fitch was the champion of the World Series of Fighting which means that he was the de facto champion for the Professional Fighters League The Professional Fighters League says that the winner of each of their belts, because they're going to have a tournament, whoever wins the tournament will walk away with a million dollars. Plus, they're supposed to have monthly payments for the Professional Fighters League. When you are the champion, that means you've got a pretty good shot of doing all that and a million dollars is nothing to sneeze at in any way shape form or fashion but in the fight game it's not something that people come across very easily not in mixed martial arts at least for you to turn down that opportunity to sign with Bellator says more about the professional fighters league than it does anything else for you to leave and to seek your release from them with all of that being on the line yeah it it doesn't bode well the PFL they haven't even started things yet and they keep losing fighters keep losing fighters now I know they just picked up Will Brooks last week 
and you know he should do well but I I have my doubts I have serious doubts about whether or not anyone will see any of the kinds of paydays that they are selling to the people another one that we have to just sit back and watch how things unfold now one thing that did unfold recently is that Super Sage Northcutt celebrated his birthday he was born on March 1st recording this on March 1st so happy birthday to Super Sage I believe this is his 21st birthday didn't get a chance to dig that deeply into things whatever birthday it is happy birthday Super Sage UFC on Fox 28 turned out to be a real nice card. Unfortunately, it did not escape controversy as in the main event, Stevens defeated Emmett, but he threw a lot of strikes that were questionable. Now, one thing I forgot about until the fight started was that this was another Team Alpha Male versus Alliance showdown. See, back in the day, in the WEC, Faber and Cruz fought for the Bantamweight Championship. And Faber had no problems with Cruz until he went to go sign some posters and he saw that Cruz had signed somewhere, like on Faber's body or something, and he felt that it was disrespectful. Since then, the two have had nothing but animosity toward each other. And respect for fight games, but more so animosity. This has carried over to any fights between the squads. Like I said, the end was real controversial. Stevens landed some strikes, some elbows, some nice hard elbows to the back of Emmett's head. I don't think he was trying to. I think it was just in the heat of the moment. The adrenaline is going. You see somebody hurting. You're trying to finish him. And I think he was probably aiming in the right spot. And it just kind of caught him in the back of the head. He also attempted to throw a knee to a grounded opponent. I mean, both of Emmett's knees were on the ground. There is no guideline uh, as far as the unified rules are concerned where you can knee a grounded opponent. Now, if you were fighting overseas in 1FC, yeah, if you're in one championship, you can throw knees to a grounded opponent. Whether their knees are on the ground, whether they land on the ground, you can soccer kick them, you can do whatever you want, but not in the unified rules. Uh, he didn't, it doesn't look like he really landed. He, it may have been a glancing blow, but still you don't throw a knee to a downed opponent the more controversial parts of this is that the referee didn't do anything now the minute he threw the knee it was apparent to most everyone watching wait a minute that really shouldn't be taking place and this thing needs to be stopped you know and and you know at least a warning given or something big dan mergliata let it ride and um yeah, soon after trying to throw that knee, you know, Emmett had the presence of mind to try to duck and get out the way, but he was still laying on the ground. 
and got caught with something that knocked him down. And then uh, Stevens just, yeah, he did him in with some vicious elbows. And game was over. Now, one thing that Emmett has said is that he's going to appeal this to the Florida Athletic Commission. Another one of those things that uh, we have to see what happens, but he definitely has uh, he definitely has a gripe. He's got a legitimate gripe. The thing that I didn't quite agree with regarding all this is that Lil Heathen got a performance of the night bonus for the finish. You know, I mean, with all the controversy regarding it to give him the performance of the night bonus uh, yeah, I don't think that that was the the way that it should have went. I feel like it should have went to Marion Renault, the Belizean Bruiser Boy. Woo! Man, her fight with Sarah McMahon was a really good fight. I thought it might get fight of the night, but uh, there were some other fights that came in that uh, took those honors, and we'll talk about that a little later. But Sarah McMahon and, and Marion Renault went at it. Now it was clear that Renault lost the first fight. And uh Sarah McMahon is another team alpha male fighter. And she's been doing well there until this fight. Uh she got her down to the ground, dominated with the ground and pound, and kept the Belizean bruiser in a crucifix and was just raining down strikes. I mean it, it was it was not good at all and at one point it looked kind of close to being stopped but the ref let it go on he he knew that though she was getting struck that the strikes were not damaging enough to stop the fight and he kept warning her hey you know kept telling Mary you gotta move you gotta move you gotta move and she did she kept getting out Uh, she had to use a lot of energy to get out and that caused the commentators to believe that she might be a bit windy in the second round. She wasn't windy. She won. <laughs> she won not only the round, but she won the fight. Uh, in the second, Renault dropped McMahon and then used Sarah's wrestling against her. She said, I know she's going to try to take me down. I know that that's what she's going to do. This is an Olympic wrestler. She got me down to the ground and, and really put it on me. I know she's going to do that. So I'm going to use that to my advantage. She allowed the takedown and set her up in a triangle and the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt tapped her out in the second round. It was beautiful. The Voices marquee matchup for the main card was Ovin St. Prue and Alir Latifi. And yeah, it, it was definitely one of the fights that you had to pay attention to didn't last long but you needed to pay attention to that fight Latifi rocked OSP with strikes and then the 5-8 maybe (laughs) Sledgehammer got a standing guillotine on the 6-3 over in St. Prue now St. Prue tapped out but the ref didn't see it because he was on the other side and after two taps he took a nap Latifi got a performance of the night bonus for a phenomenal stoppage and then gave a respectful call out to the champ. Now, in my mind, I think either Vulcan or Manawa 
would be a better fight for him. Um, and that's Manoa if he wins his rematch with Blahovic. I think those would be better options than trying to go for the belt. But hey, shoot your shot, brother. I ain't mad at you. But um, yeah, I think you overreached on that one. The bonus fight for the main card was Mike Perry and Max Griffin. And Max Payne Griffin pulled out the victory in Mike Perry's backyard in his home city, which is Orlando, Florida. It was a really good fight. Max Griffin fought a very smart technical fight. He kept moving the whole time and it was it was interesting to watch him move because he had to stay on his bicycle the whole time and with all the action that took place in the first round I was a bit concerned that he wasn't going to be able to keep it up and that Perry would wade in and throw one of those major bombs and disconnect Griffin from reality Perry did catch him a couple times really good really clean had some nice exchanges Perry getting dropped and also just putting some mustard on the hot dog punching Griffin but Griffin's got a chin stood in there took the shots like a champ and came out with a victory 30-27 on one card and 29-27 on two other cards which means that two of the judges gave him a 10-8 round and that's kind of interesting but um, either way it goes uh, kudos to Max Griffin for a great fight don't know who a good well I won't say I don't know who a good matchup for him would be I think seeing him fight someone like a Gunnar Nelson will be a nice step up for Griffin where does Perry go I don't know but he's quickly becoming the new Cowboy Cerrone uh, in a win or a loss you want to see Mike Perry fight he is such a colorful individual and he's a fighter no doubt about it he's a fighter and in the fight game that'll keep you around for a while the voices marquee matchup for the prelims happened to also be the fight of the night with Alan Choban and Ben Saunders, man. Woo. Now, there was a bit more intrigue with this fight because both of these fighters had a knowledge of each other. They trained with each other. They're both members of the 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu system under Eddie Bravo. Now, Bravo is normally in the corner of the Killer B for his fights, but he sat this one out because it was teammate against teammate now they don't train at the same facility but they have in the past like the first time they met each other they went five rounds and they bonded with each other and that makes sense as to why Joban was saying that after the fight was over he wanted to go out and uh, and kick it with Saunders because they knew each other but when you have people who know each other that are fighting each other you just don't know how that's going to play out because you have a relationship and you don't necessarily want to hurt someone that you got a relationship with because you know the impact that it can have on their lives 
and you know it, it just looked like it was difficult for either one of them to deliver uh, what they needed to deliver in order to win the fight however Joban did what he needed to do and he was killing Ben's front leg in the beginning and I you know after a while he kind of let up on it. it was like uh you should kick him again a couple more times and that's gonna you know put him down and it might cause the fight to be over because he can't stand if you keep trying to make him stand up and he can't stand uh, then it will be over however uh, Jovan found another way to finish the fight and this one was much more um, impactful boy he caught Ben Saunders with a hot one disconnected him from reality made him fold up like a, a lawn chair fell backwards legs uh, back beneath him stuck he was stuck arms up it was done great great fight they were both going at it but in the end Alan Joban was the victor UFC 222 yeah it's going down in Vegas at the home of the UFC in Vegas T-Mobile Arena headline by my fighter my favorite female fighter the most feared fighter in MMA or one of the most feared fighters in MMA Christian Cyborg Justino who is far and away the biggest favorite on this card she's taking on Yana Kuniskaya who's out of the Jackson Wink camp the Belarusian fighter won the Invicta Bantamweight championship in her last fight and now she's looking to win the UFC featherweight championship in this fight some people are like don't sleep on Kuniskaya you know she might do it she might pull it out and anyone can win at any time would this be a tremendous upset yes could it be the biggest upset in UFC history possibly do I think it's gonna happen no but then again I wasn't all that sure that Ronda Rousey was not gonna run through Holly Holm the way she did now the one thing that did tip me off regarding that was how Ronda was acting at the weigh-ins it was like mm, that's, that's, that's kind of different You're acting kind of different there and sure enough it was a sign of things to come do I see Cyborg doing that no she's been at this way too long and this should be a nice payday for her to set her up for the fight that she's really looking to have a fight that would help with cementing her legacy which would be against yet another bantamweight champion but this time in the UFC a woman who has been groomed or was being groomed to fight Cyborg back when they were both in strike force and that's Amanda Nunez 
the Voices Marquee matchup for the main card is the co-main event. This one, I mean, th- this is really the fight on this card. You got Frankie the Answer Edgar taking on the surging Brian T. City Ortega. Frankie Edgar, which I didn't know this until listening uh, to some of the experts recently throughout the week. Frankie Edgar has not been stopped since he's been in the UFC. And he's been in the UFC for a long time. He has fought champions and been rocked. I remember when Benson Henderson threw that up kick and just totally messed up his whole world. It changed the complete complexion of that first title fight that they had. This man has fought at lightweight and has been rocked. I remember when he fought um, uh, Gray Maynard and that whoo boy they were going at it. They both were catching each other and putting each other down. But he's never been stopped. Never been knocked out. Never been submitted. And that's what T-City is looking to do. He said he wants to be the first person to stop Frankie Edgar. And with the phenomenal jiu-jitsu skills that T-City has and his ability to use those skills to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. I mean, the man has had like three third-round finishes more, third-round finishes than anyone like in UFC history. So can he do it? He's proven his ability to do it. As a matter of fact, not only is he undefeated, in the UFC if I'm not mistaken I think he's finished all his fights too there's no outside of getting the belt there's no bigger feather in his cap that he can gain in the featherweight division than a win over the perennial contender at featherweight and former champion at lightweight Frankie Edgar for Edgar He wanted this fight because he needed to stay busy. It would have been nearly a year had he not taken this fight because the last time he fought was like in May of 2017. So he needed to get in there. He needed to he needed to knock some of the rust and things off. So that's why he wanted to stay on this card. This is a great big gamble though because Frankie Edgar, especially when it comes to the featherweight division, He's come really close to winning. Or I shouldn't say went really close to winning. He's come really close to sniffing the title, but he has yet to win it. Fought Jose Aldo twice, lost twice. Once for the real belt, once for the interim belt, which wound up being a real belt after they stripped Connor. He was supposed to be fighting the champ on this card, supposed to be against Max Holloway. Max got hurt. And he couldn't fight. So he's fighting against Ortega. But this is just the kind of fight and the kind of dangerous fighter that could put Edgar back at the end of the line when it comes to trying to obtain a belt in the featherweight division. And honestly, if he were to lose this fight with Ortega, he may want to think about dropping down to 135 and trying his hand there. Sugar Sean O'Malley, who got the most buzz 
coming out of the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series, both literally and figuratively, he's going to be taking on Andre Superman on the main card. That should be a really good fight, too. Rising stars in the fight game, fighting at 135 pounds. It's actually a really big uh, step up for O'Malley. In his last fight, I mean, he, he looked all right, but he looked like someone who was still new to the game. Sukmantak is no joke. I believe he was an LFA champion, and, and he's no joke. He's no joke. So, um, yeah, we're, this is going to be very, very interesting. Now, the heavyweight card on this specific fight card or I should say the heavyweight bout was the co-main event before all of the changes that took place and now it is the second fight on the main card you got Stefan the skyscraper Struve that's right Scandinavia stand up I represent for all of my heritage Scandinavia Nigeria uh America, you name it, I'm going to represent. Yes, I'm biased when it comes to my people. He is taking on uh, yet another Belarusian in Andre the Pitbull Arlovsky. Who knows how this fight is going to go? Arlovsky did win his last fight against uh, Junior Albini. That fight was a dud. Uh, Struve Struve has been hot and cold his entire career in the UFC. And he has been cold as of late, so he's due for a hot streak. Again, um, I represent for all of my people. So, of course, my heart is with Struve. How is this going to turn out, though? I don't know. Should Struve win? Yes. Arlovsky is getting chinnier and chinnier by the day. But again, you, you just don't know what you're going to get when Stefan Struve steps into the octagon. You don't know if you're going to get the, the killer who can knock you out or submit you or if he's going to just not perform to his best ability. Don't know. One thing I do know is that the curtain jerker, yeah, that's my bonus fight for this card. You got Caitlin Vieira uh, versus Alpha Cat Zingano. Oh, man. Cat Zingano has had such a difficult time. Uh, she said that her fight with Ronda Rousey, I mean, number one, it really wasn't a fight. She was only in there for like eight seconds or so. And she approached her the wrong way, got submitted, game over. Uh, Vieira has been doing some good things as far as her fight career is concerned. Cat last fought on UFC 200 versus Juliana Pena and she lost. So this is a great, great time for Vieira to be facing Zingano because even before that, uh, Zingano hadn't that. Yeah, the last two fights were with Rousey and then with uh, Juliana Pena. Like I said, Zangano's been through a lot. She has had 
publicized and recorded bouts with mental illness with specifically depression I believe depression caused her husband to commit suicide and left her alone with her son uh, to rear you know so she just had a lot going on I'm so glad to see Cat back in the ring I'm sorry back in the octagon fighting I'm so glad to see the things that have been going on for her in her life uh, and it's hard for her when it comes to fighting because whenever she's training she's in San Diego and I believe she's training out of Alliance Gym in San Diego when she does that she is not with her son in Colorado so the one thing she's got you know in life going for you know one of the things that we're driven by as parents is to provide for and take care of and to care for our children especially in this case where she is the only parent man that's got to be rough to be away from your kid but she's doing that she's making the sacrifices she's trying to get better so that she can make a better life for herself and for her son and again I'm glad for some of the other things that are going on for her because she's been doing commentary work for Access TV fights so I hope she can get back in the win column because I yeah love me some cats and gano the FS1 prelims just like last week for the Fox card they're pretty stacked you've got the debut of Mackenzie Dern the Jiu Jitsu Wiz against Ashley Yoda you got Benil Darius the killer he was supposed to be fighting King Bobby Green but Bobby Green got hurt in steps Alexander Hernandez Hector Lombard is going to be fighting C.B. Dalloway and that's a pretty much a pick em fight. Uh, they're pretty even as far as uh, the odds makers have a concern. Dalloway hasn't been the same since having the elevator accident in Cleveland. Who knows how things are going to go. Lombard, I don't know when Lombard is going to fight. I sur- I'm very surprised that he's still in the UFC because I feel like He's lost like four fights in a row, uh, including getting knocked out by Dan Henderson. But anyway, that should be a good fight. You got Zach Otto taking on Mike Pyle. And that is going to be actually on Fight Pass. What's really standing out about this fight is that Mike Pyle is retiring. This is his last fight. He's been fighting for a long time. And, you know, a lot of us thought that, you know, he would be retiring any day. Now, he's been doing great, great work as far as coaching and being in people's corners. And he's decided that it's time for he and his mullet to ride off into the sunset. So uh, that's a fight that if you have fight pass, you definitely want to pay attention to. You got some good cards. Or I should say good fights on fight pass this go around because you also have Brian Caraway making his return he hasn't fought in I don't know how long and I think this is the first fight that he's had maybe the second since his relationship with Misha Tate dissolved so it's going to be very interesting to see how he fares 
in things, especially, you know, not having the team behind him that he's had and specifically not having the support that he's been used to having for well over a decade. The Voices marquee matchup, though, for this fight is John Dodson and Pedro Munoz. This fight was supposed to take place about a month ago, and Munoz came in grossly overweight. He came in close to like 141, 142 pounds for a 135-pound fight. This is the last fight on Dodson's contract, and he was like, look, I'm not fighting you at that heavyweight. Last time I did a solid for the company, and I stepped in and I fought someone who was uh, much heavier than I was, I lost. This is my last fight. I can't take an L on my last fight. I need that leverage in order to enter contract negotiations. So, yeah, it's a lot on the line for Dotson. It's a lot of redemption on the line for Munoz as well. So that this is why it is my marquee matchup. John the Magician, Dotson brings it all the time that dude is super quick so athletic i mean he's like five foot nothing and i think he can dunk a basketball just crazy crazy athletic ability and pedro munoz is no joke either he's got hands he's got all kind of games so again that's the voices marquee matchup for the prelims Darion Caldwell looks to successfully defend his bantamweight title at Bellator 195 at the Windstar Casino in Thackerville, Oklahoma versus Leandro Higo. This very well could be the greatest test in Caldwell's career as Higo has a ton of experience. Caldwell has been on a tear ever since joining Bellator only losing once and that loss was more so due to a mental mistake than anything else look forward to seeing this fight because it has fireworks all over it and again due to the experience the vast experience that Higo has should be a great fight Christina Williams and Emily Ducote will also be fighting on this card and they'll be fighting at the flyweight limit of 125 pounds. Juan Archuleta and William Joplin are going to be the curtain jerker, but the voices marquee matchup for the main card pits Joe Warren against baby Joe Ty Minglo. It's the Battle of the Joes. And yeah, it should be a phenomenal, phenomenal fight. If you know anything about Joe Warren, he is an Olympian. He is a multiple division champion in Bellator if I'm not mistaken I think he's the only person to hold titles at multiple divisions within Bellator taking on baby Joe Tyminglo who's the only person to beat Darion Caldwell now again I put that more so on Caldwell not paying attention but hey when you got the opportunity and you in a fight you take it and you know come what may we get what we get, and Baby Joe got the victory. Only issue with that for him was that he came in overweight for his fight with Caldwell. 
But Baby Joe's got some great uh, ground skills. He can punch a little bit. For this fight, though, speaking of weight, Joe Warren came in overweight. This is supposed to be at 135 pounds. Joe Warren came in at 139. Baby Joe came in at 135. So it'll be a catch weight bout. But it's got fireworks written all over it. Joe Warren has been fighting for a long, long time. And I don't see him doing it too much longer. Especially with not being able to make the 139 pound, I should say 135 pound weight limit. I wouldn't be surprised if he called it quits after this fight, which is another reason why you want to make sure you're watching it. Either way it goes, win or lose, Joe Warren brings it every time, and Baby Joe brings it as well. So that's why this is the Voices Marquee matchup for the main card. For the prelims, the Voices Marquee matchup is Romero Cotton and Justin Reeser. This will be Cotton's second fight under the Bellator banner and his second professional fight. The reason why this is the Voices Marquee matchup is all about Cotton. I think this is Reeser's second fight too, so it's not a lot out there on either of them when it comes from a MMA perspective. However, Cotton is just like a poster child for how Scott Coker likes to groom fighters. He did this in Strike Force, getting good, strong wrestlers, helping them with developing their fighting skills by giving them some matchups that were in line with their skill set and continuing to build them, whether it be through, you know, late <laughs> submissions for like DC into the heavyweight Grand Prix or on the Strike Force Challenger series for people like Tyron the Chosen One Woodley and the man who won both the Strike Force title as well as the UFC title and just got done fighting for the middleweight championship recently the interim middleweight championship and lost Luke Rocco. Like I said, Cotton fits that mold so well because he is a decorated, decorated wrestler. This dude was a 10-time state champion in high school. How you win 10 state championships in high school? I don't know, but he did it. He grew up in Hutchinson, Nebraska, and did a lot of work wrestling in Nebraska. He went to the University of Nebraska and ran into some trouble, you know, as a young man does sometimes. He got caught up and went to prison. After he got out of prison, the University of Nebraska, at least uh, the main campus in Norman, didn't want him. So he went on to the University of Nebraska in Kearney. You know, right there around where he came up from and won four national championships. I'm sorry, three national championships for them. So again, his wrestling pedigree is phenomenal. Now, whether that will translate into victory in the cage, got to tune in and see. 
It has in the first fight. Will he continue to build on this as his other compatriots, other great wrestlers in Bellator have done, such as Gerard Trice in the last Bellator fight, just like Ed Ruth and all the other great wrestlers that are making their way. Aaron Pico. Yeah, will he follow in those footsteps and continue to build a great foundation for Bellator's future? Again, you got to tune in to see. The prelims will be on Bellator.com. They're streamed only. So feel free to check in and see those fights. <laughs> 